Hello and welcome to Assured by Grace. My name is Danny Woodward, and again, I'm joined by my co-host, Pastor Phil Congdon. And today we're going to explore a, a topic that many of you can probably relate to. And it, that topic is, how do we treat the Bible? How should we treat the Bible? Mm. You know, the title of our podcast is Assured by Grace. And we get our assurance from the promises of God's scripture from the Bible. And when people go into the the Word of God and they begin monkeying around with the meanings of words and the meanings of concepts, um, they can quickly lose the forest for mm. the trees and and things start to unravel. Phil, we've done we've gone to that, and that's usually what we've talked about. We I mean we've talked a lot about how people misconstrue Bible verses so that. Uh, the truth of God's grace that assures us of our eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, they will twist Scripture or distort it in some way so that it makes it say, yeah, if you don't behave yourself, if you don't go to church and put money in the plate, if you don't sing in the choir, whatever, if you don't do it, then you can't really know for sure whether you're saved or not. And that is a pervasive problem. Of course, what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit different than that. It's more fundamental than that. And that is, you know, what about God's Word, the Bible? Um, and, And sadly, not only are people misconstruing what the Bible says, but we also have a lot of cases, and it seems like a growing number of cases, where where Christian ministries, ministers are um, are undermining almost, I, I would call it slow motion, step-by-step um, step deconstructing the value of God's Word mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, and it, it really has, has, has reached a crescendo in some ways here in our country. Because it's the perfect storm, isn't it? I mean, you have you have a, a church in our country, the the, the larger church of yeah. of believers, that is under attack. It's uh, it's under attack externally, and now you know we see it's under attack internally, being undermined by people that are that are just kind of giving a casual, flippant uh, response to real questions that come up, mm. questions that. That people want to know how what is what does the Bible say about this? How do we how do we interpret that in the light of God's word? What should we be doing about this? Yeah. And 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 we have a lot of pastors that are out there that are saying things that aren't that different from what you might find at a postmodern university yeah. uh, seminary professor's uh, speech uh, in, in 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 just about any college in the in the, in the nation. Yeah, the the Bible is is going to either be the foundation of what we we teach, and uh, and that's going to be sort of the absolute truth, the capital T truth is in God's Word, or if we're going to lay that aside and say, well, you know, we like this part, we don't like that part, and somebody else says, well, I don't like that part, I like this part, then we are all of us adrift, and. You know, let's say that you and I disagree on something. Well, who's right? See, if there isn't the authority of God's Word, then there isn't any authority. 
And that's kind of where we're where we're at today. I want to just give some background, if if I can, for a real quick second here. <clears throat> this is not a new thing. Um, in fact, the um, e- even in our lifetimes, uh, my lifetime anyway, uh, there's been a real battle for the Bible um, way back in the 1970s and the 1980s. Uh, there was a movement afoot to, for many theologians who were at uh, Christian evangelical seminaries who were starting to say, well, there are mistakes in the Bible, um, and pretty soon this expanded. Well, the miracles, they're not really real miracles. They even had a name for it. They called what they did demythologizing the Bible. So like the Bible is a collection of some truths and some myths. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of the myths. And uh, this continued for many years until it reached a real critical point in the 1980s. And uh, in the 1980s, there was a group of uh, Christian leaders, hundreds of them, and uh, they formed a council called the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy. And this was to assess and substantiate the authority of the Bible as God's Word. And the the critical reason for this was that even though these men did not agree on all points of theology, in other words, there may have been different interpretations of some of those scriptures, they were all agreed that the supernatural preservation of the Bible books through thousands of years written by Dozens of different authors over 1,500 years, they didn't know each other, and yet these books came together miraculously and are preserved miraculously. We look at that and we recognize the hand of God. Therefore, we understand these books to be the authoritative, inerrant, inspired Word of God. That's it. It's God's revelation. So you now had the Bible established as this, that Satan is not done. And in our day, he's come up with another clever way of of, of attacking Scripture. Yeah. And and we we aren't going to make this a focus on one person. No. But we are going to use uh, some of the recent uh, sayings and writings of Andy Stanley, who is an evangelical, by all definitions of that term, I would call him an evangelical uh, pastor who knows the Lord, who loves the Lord. And uh, in no way are we going to uh, just try to crucify him or cancel him, but because he has a a big platform Mm -hmm. and because in recent years, his valuing and his, um, the importance or the place of respect that he gives to God's word, the Bible has seemed to dissolve, we're going to 
uh, try to help you as a Christian to understand where this is going, why this isn't correct, and to be on the alert for this. Yeah. Because you're going to encounter it. I was going to say that Andy's not the only one that's out there uh, messaging a lot of these these challenging uh, perspectives. Hey, there's there's a whole group of folks that are out there doing that. And there, a lot of these folks are... are the kind of the folks that we lift up and 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 we use their material in uh, Bible study lessons, yep. and um, you know there's there's parenting stuff that Andy and his wife have published, and I'm not going to get into saying that that is or that isn't uh, godly appropriate stuff to teach, but what I will say is that the the some of the stuff that we're going to talk about is there's significant issues with the theology behind those statements and so if you're seeing that then you know maybe you should take a step back as you're as you're reviewing that and say okay how, how can i at my church and in, in my place um guard myself guard my heart you know maybe i should go to the scriptures and look mm -hmm. at what people are saying and compare that up against what what's written so that i know like a Berean, that uh, that what I'm studying is true, and that's our goal here is is to get people to pause and and pursue truth. What you just said, uh, those of you who weren't sure what he meant when he said Berean, in the book of Acts, chapter seventeen, verse eleven, Paul commends uh, the Bereans. He says they were more noble. Uh, that is, they they. They showed a nobility in the way that they responded to his teaching. And this is what he says they did. He says they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was really true. See, Paul was preaching from the Bible of his day, which was the Old Testament, or what we would call the Old Testament today. And he was preaching Christ from the Old Testament, and talking about fulfilling those prophecies, how Jesus did that. And then those people could go back and say, I want to see if that's really what Isaiah said, if that's really what David wrote. Is that what Jeremiah said? And they were checking it out, and they were saying, yes, it is true. And in the same way, I, I just want to warn you, this is so pervasive. You said this, but um, I dare say that there are many who are going to be listening to this podcast, and you're attending a church where the pastor or pastors very often stand up on a Sunday morning, and they preach a very good sermon, but it it is something that could be preached at the local 12-step uh, gathering maybe at a, a psychological or social uh, kind of a meeting, something that is just, uh, it's good, but it is not something that is biblical in the sense that it is capital T truth. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that if I tell you something and you simply take it because I said it, then who is guilty if I'm wrong? Well, I'm guilty because I was wrong, and you're guilty because you didn't check to see if I was right. Yeah. 
That's God's Word. And so we here are talking about the value of God's Word. And uh, one other thing I'll just say, the, the reason why, again, this is so important, is that I can tell you till I'm blue in the face that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. But my words don't matter. The fact that in John 6, 47, it says, whoever believes has eternal life. Or then in John 3, 16, it says, whoever believes shall not perish, but has everlasting life. That makes a whole lot of difference. And that's why I have assurance. Not because I'm sure that I, you know, have done enough or I, you know, I've just convinced myself. Nah, it's because God's word says it. And if God's word says it, I believe it. That settles it. Mm. Now, we need to talk about this. Um, Andy Stanley has in, in, again, and it's just in the last few years that, most people have even noticed this. I think that for much of Andy's ministry, uh, he would have uh, read from Scripture, spoken directly from what Scripture said, taught from it. And I do want to say this. From what I know of Andy Stanley, I believe that he preaches a biblical gospel. That is, that if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, that you receive the free gift of eternal life. It is by grace, God's grace, through faith that we believe in Jesus. And that transaction, once it's been made, it is forever. And as far as I know, I, we're not going to even go there mm -mm. with Andy on this, but Andy has. I, I'm going to, again, frame this in a way that I think it, it puts it in the best light. I believe he wants to try to remove any impediment that some people may have for believing in Jesus. And one of those impediments is, well, I don't like the Bible. The, the, and it started with the Old Testament. Yeah. So the first thing that he wanted to do was um, to kind of move the Old Testament into second place. And I just want to read, um, this is a quote from Andy Stanley. He said that the first century church leaders unhitched the church from the worldview, value system, and regulations of the Jewish scriptures. Peter, James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we, we must as well. Hmm. Now, first of all, this is demonstrably untrue. Right. And it's appalling that a man who knows Scripture, as I believe Andy Stanley does, would say something so laughably, ridiculously false. 
the New Testament is literally filled from Matthew to Revelation. Jesus in his ministry constantly is talking about the Old Testament this, uh, not the Old Testament, just saying the scriptures, the prophets, the law, the Nebim, the Kethibim, uh, the Torah. This is what was written. And everything was based on the authority of what God had said. In fact, just a few minutes ago, you mentioned the Bereans. Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't say to them, the Bereans were more noble because they listened to what I said and because, you know, know, the resurrection is true uh, and, uh, and it was true and they became convinced because I'm trustworthy that it was true and they believed it. He says the antithesis of that. They didn't believe it because I said it. Instead, they went to the scriptures. What were their scriptures? <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You go to Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. This message is constantly filled over and over with Old Testament references so that you see that God was actually not just suddenly doing something totally new. Uh Uh-uh. God was doing something from the moment the fall happened, and he was unveiling his grace through the whole Old Testament, preparing the way so that Paul, in his letter to Titus, would say that at the appointed or appropriate time, Jesus came. It fit into God's program. Well, Phil, and so part of what I've seen, what what may be going on here is that Andy's got some presuppositions coming into his view of what the New Testament or the Old Testament is saying and what it means, and or or he's or he's allowing other people's presuppositions about what the Old Testament means and says to 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 make him afraid to confront uh, those 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 challenges and but the reality is is that when you when you use good uh, literal grammatical historical interpretation of scripture the old testament comes alive in a way that allows us to to better understand the new testament and and yet every time i I look at something that he's written or a sermon that he's given he's he's it seems to be like he's buying in to the perspective that maybe the Pharisees had, which was, you know, that you got to heaven by keeping the law and that, that, that is wrong. And yeah, we would agree that's wrong. Um, but that's not what the old Testament is telling us. Yeah. They were wrong. Uh, so h- how would you, that's, that is, yeah, that, that is interesting because in a sense, what, a, if you reduce the old Testament down to a bunch of stories and a bunch of rules, mm-hmm. well, then you'd say, well, who needs that? That's that's not the Old Testament. The Old Testament is uh, through history and in, and the revelation of history, and particularly after Genesis twelve, the history of the Jews of Israel as they are. Um, first of all, Abraham is called, and and then they. 
become a nation, and God is unveiling his plan through the sacrifices and the laws, uh, all of his uh, prophetic messages. Those are all part of this tapestry. And to all of a sudden pull all those threads out, mm. you'd say, well, wait a minute, that's not, the Old Testament isn't just those rules. And you're exactly right that the Pharisees, they had distilled the Old Testament down to a bunch of rules and guidelines. And if that's the way that Andy is viewing it, um, and we'll talk about this perhaps at another podcast later, but this might be why he doesn't like it, because some of those teachings of the Old Testament, as well as the New, fly in the face of what is considered um, the modern ethic today. Yeah. Let me just say a couple other things real quickly, and then we'll move on. Um, without the Old Testament, we have no understanding of the real purpose of Jesus dying on the cross. Mm. Um, and you can focus, as Andy does, on the resurrection, but the resurrection followed the death. If you don't have a death, you don't have a resurrection. Now, let me just read another quote from Andy about the Old Testament. He says, your whole house of Old Testament cards can come tumbling down. The question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And the eyewitnesses said he did. Okay, um, let's just separate that for just a minute. If the whole house of Old Testament cards comes tumbling down, then the question is this, why did Jesus die? Was there sin? Was sin something that required death? What were those sacrifices for? Were they teaching something? Were they showing something about the holiness of God? Mm -hmm. If they were, then all of a sudden, the death of Jesus Christ makes sense. And it is only if Jesus died for our sin that the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters at all. Otherwise, it's just a great trick. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? He died and he rose. Why did he die? He died because of my sin. And the Old Testament is this prolonged display of sin, God's grace constantly providing a covering for sin from the very beginning, just after the fall, and then all the way through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it, Phil, one of the, the, the challenges to a lot of what he's writing about there is that it, it's kind of hard to, to, to get a sense of which side hmm. he's taking on a lot of these issues. Yeah, I know. Uh, and there's a lot of guys out there that are like that. It's like they don't want to get stuck in one corner. And I can kind of understand, uh, you know, you don't want to have, people that accuse you of being too liberal or too conservative. But this is biblical stuff that we're talking about here. This isn't yeah, yeah. this isn't stuff that should be subjective uh, issues. 
Yeah, there's a, it's gone further than this. And uh, I know that we could go into a lot more depth than we are, but Dandy Stanley has also gone on from this in more recent days. And, um, and he, in, he had an interview sometime back uh, where he was talking about a book he recently wrote called Not In It to Win It. Um, and during that interview uh, that he had, um, he said this, and I'll just, again, I, I'm just going to be isolating this. He said, Jesus shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus. When you follow Jesus through the Gospels, one thing was extraordinarily clear. Whether you agree or not, he did not come to support or to facilitate or to further a world view. Jesus came to establish something standalone, brand new. Um, the, there are a number of problems here. Um, he says, you know, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul. Um, and, and earlier he said the eyewitnesses are the ones who showed this. Well, maybe you got Matthew, and maybe you've got John as eyewitnesses. Luke was later on. He did his research. Uh, I'm not sure about Mark. I think Mark was later on. Paul certainly wasn't even a believer at the time. So in a sense, he's undercut his own argument. Uh, it isn't that these are just the eyewitnesses who say this, because to be honest with you, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would never have been recorded. The, the breadth of times that they have all across the ancient Middle East, the Byzantine world and the Roman world, uh, the Egyptian, Alexandrian. You have all these manuscripts, early manuscripts, we copied over and over. They didn't have Xerox, Xerox in those days. They had to copy these things. Why did they copy them? It wasn't because, wow, Matthew said this. Wow, Mark said this. No, it was because they said, this is what God has said. And so to, to just arbitrarily say, yeah, just forget it. It's not really that God said it. It's that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul said something. And, no. and I would add, too, it was because those, those Gospels fulfilled all of the, all of the prophecy yeah. that we have in the Old Testament that had been laid out for, for centuries in advance of, of Christ's coming. This isn't something that just happened, and it, it, was a, it was a fulfillment of what was said was going to happen. And so for him to say it's something brand new, it kind of, uh, it takes away from the reality that this was the fulfillment of the scriptures yeah. of the Old Testament. And, and we've already seen that, uh, you know, when Paul was talking to the Bereans and commending them for looking at the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, Paul also in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you know, he says, all scripture, pas grafe in the, in the Greek, it was all of those writings. Those writings, the authoritative writings, were given by inspiration of God, or they were God-breathed. Uh, in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, it says that holy men of God 
wrote as they were moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, this is a statement of that. And in that same book in 2 Peter 3, uh, 15 and 16, Peter mentions Paul's writings and says, you know, his writings, you know, as in other scriptures, mm-hmm. and again, uses that word, graphe, referencing the Old Testament. So anybody, I don't know, it doesn't, it's not just Andy, uh, Stanley, but any pastor who says, you know, we just need to get away from talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament or the Bible or the scriptures. Let's just talk about the event. Well, unfortunately, your revelation of that event is in the Bible. So you're either going to have to say, yes, the Bible is true, or you say, no, it's not. Okay, in that case, you've made a statement of faith. I would just say, along uh, with Josh McDowell, I think there's evidence that demands a verdict. We, and we have it from Jesus' own mouth as well. He he refers to the Old Testament scriptures yeah. oh. many times. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and the miracles as well. You know, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the earth for three nights. You know, let's close by just um, uh, referring to uh, just a question. Why are we trying, why is anybody trying to diminish the view of the Bible? What is the value? in that. And I, I've, I've asked myself that. Why, why would anybody want to say, like an Andy Stanley, say, it doesn't really matter what you think of the Bible? Uh, well, does it matter to a Muslim what you think of the Quran? I think so. Does it matter to any cult, any religion, any ism, what their supposed authoritative authoritative writing says, yeah, it does. Matters a lot. That's a foundation. And it just it, it baffles me why we would even say this. Um, again, I call this um, sort of a slow, um, incremental uh, deconstruction. deconstruction of Christianity. It is, yeah. Um, he's edging that way with what he's he's uh, advancing here. Yeah, Andy Stanley does. He has a great number of followers, huge church. Mm-hmm. And sadly, it is very, very, very easy when you have all that acclaim so that anything you say, people are going to print it, they're going to quote it, yeah. They're going to stand up and give you a claim. And, you know, Phil, one of the, the sad ironies here with Andy is that, man, you listen to him, him preach, and he's very aware of the deconstruction movement. He's very yeah. aware. And I think he thinks that he's doing God a favor by putting the spotlight on Jesus and dimming the dimming the backlights on the Old Testament. He thinks he's doing God a favor. God's word can stand on its own. He doesn't need us to yeah. do anything for it. And and that's really the 
what we're trying to tell you is let God's word stand on its own. Let it let it shine for what it is. And and then you get the whole scripture and it all comes together beautifully. It's gonna it's gonna strengthen your faith. It's gonna help. Yeah, the the word of a of a megachurch pastor is the word of a human being. Mm. Doesn't matter how big, how important he is. The word of any pastor, of any Christian author, is the word of a human being. The word of God, that's the word of God. That's what you can build your life on. So anyway, we're going to talk about this more, but uh, I'm glad we got this started. If you have any questions or any thoughts on this, by the way, thanks for putting up with my throat. I've still got a bit of a croak, but uh, thank you for, for listening. And if you have any questions, be sure to to shoot us off a message. We'd love to try to respond to any questions you might have. Thank you. Thank you, Phil.